Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. Today, we're talking about mystery books. So we've got To Die For by Lisa Gray, which KW is going to cover. And I'm going to talk about the Roxanne Weary series by Kristen LaPianca. The first book is The Last Place You Look. So what's drawing us to mysteries right now? Well, I've been like on a little cozy mystery kick for Ooh. quite some time because I've been reading those um, Heathcliff Lennox books that I covered mm. a million yeah. years ago. And that just sort of, I don't know, I've just been noticing other mystery novels that get recommended to me. I've read a couple others since then, but I've read all of the Heathcliff Lennox books. And this book, this book is so goofy because, okay, (laughs) this was, well, no, this was recommended in a Selling Sunset fan forum. Oh, Oh, okay. This is the one about like a realtor or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) that's so funny yeah but like but like okay and i'll explain why that's related to this real estate show on netflix but but every time i see that there's a breezy quick mystery novel or series recommended anywhere i'm like that's what i need and i think the reason i've been drawn to this in the past few years is just because there's a lot that are in series which is fun a lot of them are pretty short which you know i love me a short novel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like sometimes you want breezy reads but you don't always want romance or you don't always want like i don't know something a little comedic or so- like sometimes you want something short and you want something with a little puzzle in it and you want something that's going to pull you through and be compelling yeah and i think oftentimes like low stakes mystery novels really hit that sweet spot mm-hmm. and I wouldn't call this one cozy per se, but it's not not cozy. So (laughs) this is, yeah. So to kind of like, yeah, I almost wanted to talk today about all the HGTV real (laughs) real estate and decorating shows I've been watching. So this is like actually similar. So Selling Sunset is a show on Netflix that we've both watched a little bit and we covered it in a Mm -hmm. previous podcast. And it's just about realtors in Los Angeles selling high-end real estate. So the reason this book was recommended in a Selling Sunset fan forum was that it is basically about that. It is the elite world of luxury real estate, (laughs) where it is often kill or be killed. And so (laughs) imagine like these really, you know, high-end realtors, but but somebody gets murdered at one of the broker's open houses. And it just kind of goes from there. So Lisa Gray... Yeah. So Lisa Gray is a very prolific author. I've never read anything else by her, but I think I'm going to. She's got another standalone thriller called The Dark Room. And then she's got this series of the Jessica Shaw thrillers that has like five books in it. So, Oh, cool. And she's not even that far into her career, but she's doing really well. I think she's actually British. Okay. But she really, I mean, clearly has done her research by watching a lot of the aforementioned Selling Sunset. There's also a lot of crossover with my other fave LA real estate show, Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles, (laughs) and uh, some other of those like LA set reality shows like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and and The O.C. and all of those things. So I was very much, as I read this, picturing, okay, well, clearly 
this woman is supposed to be like Chriselle, and this woman is supposed to be like Christine, and this woman <laughs> is supposed to be like Lisa Vanderpump from Vanderpump Rules. Like I was very like casting this book as I was reading yeah. it. <laughs> and so that part was fun. And like, it's a really fun mix of if you do like real estate decorating, like Los Angeles weather stuff, like all of that and luxury stuff, that will be fun for you. It's okay. got some humor, but not it's not laugh out loud or anything. And it's not like cozy, cozy, but there is only one murder. So it's like not, you know, not scary. It's not horror. It's not a thriller because we're not following the killer. And it is suspenseful. We don't really know who the killer is. And there's some twists that are kind of fun. And everything is very well described. So you get a good, vivid picture of things. And it's not too much tell instead of show. But with mystery, there is a little bit more telling than showing in some places, maybe by by necessity. But there's also no, there is a police detective, but he is kind of not the main person. Mm -hmm. But he is maybe the only element of quasi-comic relief, and I kind of liked him, and so that was fun. But this is definitely not a detective-centric one, right? the way that the Lennox, uh, Heathcliff Lennox series is, or, or any kind of thing like that. Okay, It's very much like centered on this one real estate agent, Andy Hart, who has a mysterious past, and... <gasps> She is you. She feels very relatable, other than having some mysterious things in her past. Uh, she is very much the, you know, protagonist, and some of the other agents at her agency are not as likable as her. And there's a lot of competition between them. But basically, there the agency that she works for is up for selling this really big house that's going to be expensive enough that even after the sales price and the commission to the agency and all of this, the agent who sells it is going to get a million dollars. That's so, insane. Yeah. I mean, that is a bit, that's a, that's an outsized commission for that market, even in that type of house. So, I mean, it's like a huge beach house and it's all tricked out and has been recently developed. So it's kind of like, but because that is such a huge commission, that's a life-changing commission, even for people who already make a lot of money. So that, of course, leads to a lot of cutthroat behavior on the part of some of the other agents. And it's very, very competitive. And the heads of the agency are very, like, putting a lot of pressure on people, and etc. So they have what's called a broker's open house. That's where it's not open to the public. It's just other brokers and agents come see the house in a special showing where it's like a party and it's all, you know, they can tour it, but they can network with each other and et cetera. And so it's at one of these events that they're all kind of like touring and showing the property and they go over to the pool and there's a body in the pool. Oh no. Oh no. And the, okay, there is one really interesting element of this book. There's a lot of interesting elements about this book. But one thing that I thought was really effective is that we as the reader don't find out until fairly deep into the novel who the victim is. Oh. And huh. they also do flashbacks to before the event. Okay. And flash forwards to after the event. Hmm. And 
they're all from the point of view of different characters. Andy has more scenes than anybody, and we do know she's not the victim because she's in scenes that happen later. But they follow a few of the other agents to a lesser extent and and a couple of other characters. And I kept being like, okay, well, was that guy, did he have an after scene? I don't know if he had an after scene. Did he have a, (laughs) and it's like, so you're putting all these multiple puzzle pieces together and they're very careful and it doesn't feel unnatural that they don't use pronouns or the name of the victim when they talk about the murder until, until it starts to be, you know, eventually unraveled of who the victim is. So Mm. that was really cool. And it was done very carefully, very elegantly. And I really liked that. And so you're kind of, you're wondering, okay, who did it? Who got killed? How did they kill them? And why? Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of multiple little twists toward the end that kind of unravel that in even more interesting ways. So it was a pretty, I, you know, we've talked about how maybe we're not the fastest readers, but (laughs) I still got through it a little faster than usual. And it was just, it was just really fun. And um, I would say, it was pretty well written for its genre. Like, I didn't really have any qualms about it. I didn't feel like it dragged or anything. Like I said, the main, if I had to say any deficit, it was that there is a little bit of telling when maybe there could be more showing. But I do think that is often um, an issue with this genre and especially kind of ones that are a little shorter. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think if people like those kinds of reality shows, if they just want something that's pretty breezy and quick. This is highly, highly recommended. And I think it's pretty new. I feel like it... Oh, in fact, I think it actually just came out this summer. Okay. I think for some reason they had a pre-sale and I was able to snag it technically before it came out. So so yeah, I just it was really fun. And I think I'm going to definitely check out her other books because I really... I don't feel like I saw anything coming. Okay. Now, I'm going to mention, I'm not going to name what it is or who the author was, but pretty quickly after I read this, I read another much cozier mystery. <laughs> and I read it because it was on a freebie thing. And it was, I finished it, but it was pretty bad. So, <laughs> and I'll say that some of the reasons that I didn't like that one as much as this one were that I could pretty much tell who the killer, it was technically more than one killer, who they were pretty early on. A lot of things were telegraphed. And it was very info dumpy. Like it was just info dump, info dump, info dump. I didn't get a sense of the protagonist because a lot of her POV was just sort of told to us instead of experienced. Uh. And it didn't make sense for her to be kind of a quasi amateur investigator based on who got killed and stuff. And it was just like, I just didn't like it at all. And there is none of that in this book. Like all of those deficits are pretty absent. This felt more realistic, even though it's sort of based on a world that is very sort of, you know, heightened reality, not very relatable. Um, It actually ironically felt fairly relatable. So yeah, it's just, it's very fun. I think you might actually really enjoy it. I probably would. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm really intrigued because when you first told me about it, I kind of mm-hmm. assumed it was cozy in the sense that Andy starts to investigate and try to figure stuff out, but mm-hmm. it sounds like the format is different than I expected. So, 
Yeah. It feels more like, you know, like a mini series where you get told someone dies in the first episode, but you don't find out who it is until the last episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's very much like that. It's it's also not that she doesn't investigate because there are certain things that she kind of looks into, but we don't know how much she knows or doesn't know. So, okay. so yeah, she's very much not the literal investigator in any way. Okay. But she is kind of looking into some of it, but a lot of that is in conversation with the detective. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll yeah. have to see if it's at the library. Okay. Cool. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah. I hope so too. And then you've been reading this new, I have not heard of this series or this author. So tell me all about this. Yeah. So I had a gift card for Barnes and Noble and I kind of wanted a mystery. For some reason, I don't know why this happens, but every summer I'm like, it's mystery time. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, I just want to read them in the summer. So their section is huge and I was really overwhelmed. Oh, (laughs) So I actually didn't end up getting any mysteries that night, which is okay. Shout out to Barnes & Noble Fairlawn because their selection is very great. Cool. (laughs) But I, I saw this book at the bookstore and I decided not to get anything but I came home and found it on Libby at my library in audiobook form oh so I decided to try it out and it's the first book in a series so the series is called the Roxanne Weary series Roxanne with one n the last place you look is the first book I'm actually reading listening right now to the second book which is called what you want to see and I've got like an hour left in that audiobook. And then there are four total. I don't know if the last one came out in 2020. So I don't know if I assume there are no more planned. Mm. Okay. So the the protagonist is Roxanne and she is a private investigator. So there are kind of two, two focuses for every story. There's the mystery and then there's her personal life. Mm-hmm. So, so her father was a cop. And he recently died on the job. He got shot on the job. And she's still sort of reeling from that. I think it was about nine months ago. And she just hasn't worked in that nine months. Mm. So she's, you know, grieving about that, but also sort of dealing with the fact that he wasn't that good of a person. Mm. <laughs> like he was a little bit controlling and out an alcoholic as well and she's also starting to exhibit some of those tendencies Mm -hmm. so she's really like (laughs) trying to figure out how to separate herself from her father her mom is still alive and she's got two older brothers and the family stuff comes into play because she goes to they all go to dinner at her mom's every week The other part of that is there's sort of a romantic aspect to it. She has two love interests. One is Tom, who is her father's former partner, which Mm -hmm. sounds really weird, but he's only 38. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) At first, I was like, hmm, I don't know about this. But (laughs) he was a lot younger than her dad, so it, it turns out okay. But they sort of have like a friends with benefits relationship right now. And Roxanne is just like, she's just not in a really good place, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So you're like, how healthy is this? And then 
she also her like best friend from high school comes back into the picture and her name's Catherine and I guess they always had sort of an on again off again thing but Catherine is like super unhealthy in the sense that she just doesn't treat Roxanne well so you've got sort of like a weird love triangle where none of the options is healthy and you're just like Roxanne (laughs) please get a hold of yourself yeah And things sort of straighten out in the second book a little bit. Catherine becomes a better person. And Tom is dating a new woman. So he and Roxanne are no longer sleeping together. So, like, you, there is character growth throughout the series. And I think I assume that it will continue into the third and fourth books. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So because it's a series, I mean, you're going to deal with Roxanne a lot. So if you are looking for something that's more based in the mystery and doesn't have that character balance to it this might not be for you Mm. okay but the mysteries have been pretty interesting so far the first one roxanne gets hired by this woman named danielle whose brother is on death row for Mm. the murder of his girlfriend's parents and the presumed murder of his girlfriend, but his girlfriend has been missing for 15 years. So no one has found her. Ooh. And the sister, yeah, it's a really good setup. The sister comes in and is like, I saw Sarah, the girlfriend, <gasps> at the at the gas station last week. Whoa. So I need you to look into this because the, they finally set a date for my brother's death. And it's in like two months. And if Sarah's alive, then obviously he didn't kill her. And I don't believe he killed her parents either. So I need you to look into this. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting setup, which is what drew me to it. I was like, ooh, <laughs> seeing a dead person. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, she just she starts to look into it and everything gets twisty right away. Mm. The thing that I really loved about it was it's set in Ohio. Oh, <laughs> which is fun yeah it's it's set near columbus okay or in and around columbus uh-huh. so i think she lives in columbus but the this case is based in a suburb i think it's called belmont which i don't know if it's a real suburb but you might know <laughs> i actually don't know no okay but every time she goes to the suburb the cops are like on her tail they're like what are you doing here why are you harassing people like every single time she goes and tries to interview people Mm -hmm. which is like why why is this happening (laughs) here yeah (laughs) but you just get the sort of the sense that it's sort of like an insular town and they don't want this outsider who's like she's i mean she is sort of a mess right yeah (laughs) So maybe they just don't, like, want her around. Mm -hmm. But it sort of dovetails into one of her father's cases of a murdered woman about 16 or so years ago that he never solved. Mm. So she starts thinking that maybe these two can be connected, and she interviews the the husband a lot the husband of the victim of her father's case <laughs> sorry <laughs> and th- he actually has like a teenage daughter her name's shelby and roxanne sort of has a soft spot for shelby 
And that becomes part of her character growth. Like in the second one, she's sort of like an honorary aunt to Shelby. And even mm-hmm. though Shelby and her dad and their mom, the the mom's case is solved by that time, like mm-hmm. she's still in their life. So it's, it's interesting because she sort of collects new friends uh, and you're like, you could see her becoming a better person, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. And I just thought that was really sweet, the relationship that she has with Shelby. Yeah. So it dovetails with that case. And I think there's honestly a third case of a missing girl that comes up. Mm. So she is putting all these puzzle pieces together and everyone else, especially the cops, are like, these aren't related. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. <laughs> they are. <laughs> so it's 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 a pretty interesting case. And another thing that I liked about it is... The books are pretty short. They're, I think this one was maybe 11 hours or 10 or 11 hours on audiobook. Mm-hmm. And the the reader is slow enough that I could listen to it on like 1.5 and it's still, it still sounds normal. <laughs> <laughs> so I was getting, I'm getting through them like really fast. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then I started the second book, which is called What You Want to See. This one's only nine hours, and I started it, like, three days ago, mm-hmm. and I have, like, an hour left of it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. So it's it's going really fast. The case in the second book is actually a little bit too complicated. <laughs> Roxanne gets hired by this dude named Arthur, I think, to find out if his fiance Marin, is having an affair. And Roxanne follows her for a couple days and doesn't see anything. And then Arthur's check bounces and she's like, I'm going to bounce from this case because because you're not paying me. And then the next day or that night or something, Marin ends up dead. (gasps) Yeah. And then Arthur's like, wait, 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 come back. I swear I have the money to pay you. And now I need you to find out who actually killed her because the police think it's me. Mm -hmm. And it turns out his check bounce because Marin has been siphoning money from his account. Ooh. They once they got engaged, he like works long hours at his print shop and he would just give her signed checks for wedding stuff, but it wasn't going to wedding stuff. Oh. She was just taking the money and now Roxanne has to figure out like was this a con? Mm. Why was she conning this dude? Why did she end up dead if she was conning this dude? If she was conning this dude, did the dude kill her? <laughs> and yeah. like, but it becomes really complicated because she finds Marin's last husband and her like adult son. Mm-hmm. And that whole family thing becomes very, very complicated. And mm-hmm. I had it I just had some trouble keeping the characters straight Mm, mm -hmm. i was like wait who are we talking to again like (laughs) how is this person related to that person Mm -hmm. so that might be something that is less complicated in if you read it in print Uh, versus listening to it on 1.5 yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but it's still good and obviously as i mentioned before roxanne is growing as a character she starts to get her relationship stuff straightened out mm-hmm. although i don't i still don't like either of the love interests yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we'll see how that goes 
and her relationship with Shelby continues. And I think that's a nice little way to show that she's becoming a more responsible adult. Mm -hmm. And then there's stuff with her family in this one because the con artists start targeting her mom. Oh. So things get complicated there. And I'm looking forward to... Well, I'm going to finish the series because, you know, it'll take me like a week probably (laughs) (laughs) on audiobook. But I'm really looking forward to, I hope her older brother, Matt, gets rounded out as a character. Because right now, he in the first two books, he's not in it a lot, but he's at their family dinners and he's always like a grump. Mm. And I'm just like, what's your deal, dude? (laughs) So, like, I feel like something is coming with that, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. But yeah, I think it's a nice little mix of mystery plus character drama mm-hmm. and just kind of watching her, wa- watching Roxanne become a little bit better of a person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the rest. I think you would enjoy them and I think you would get a kick out of all of the like little Ohio mentions. Like in book two, Shelby's going to Hocking Hills for ah. a weekend. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I know where these places are. Well, I, I have already gotten the audiobook of the first one. So as nice. you were re- recounting it. So, uh, yeah, that sounds like such a fun listen. Like something like that. Yeah. Like a nice, short, tight mystery as an audiobook, I think sounds perfect for my super long work commute. So I'm going to cool. save it yeah. for the start of the school year. nice well i hope you enjoy that thank you and i I do think you would like to die for so if you if you end up reading that or listening to that let me know how you like that i will thank you well and kind of more generally too like what are some other things that you think make a good good or bad mystery novel or other mystery media because one of the we talked not super long ago about the peacock series poker face which was a mystery Mm -hmm. and was a little bit of a not quite cozy mystery, but it was structured in a different way because you, the audience already sees the murder and who the murderer is, Yeah. but we don't know why. And so the little amateur detective, Charlie, her whole thing is figuring out who did it, but also why. And so we follow her through the second half of the episode solving it, which I thought that structure was really, really fun, but you don't see that in books as much. Right. And I actually did not like that structure oh really oh okay (laughs) yeah we never really talked about this but i watched like three or four episodes Uh and i was like i actually don't like knowing everything okay okay yeah interesting it's obviously also more traditional to not know as the audience yeah yeah right i think it depends on the subgenre maybe Mm mm-hmm like for this series that I'm reading, it's about a PI. So you're, and it's in first person. So you're with her all the time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have to have a really compelling character. Yes. Whereas yeah. I think with some other things, like especially in shows, sometimes I feel like the mystery is the draw. Mm-hmm. Like I really want to find out who killed who mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily have to care about the characters so much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it depends on the medium as well. Yeah, I would agree. I'm hearkening back to this isn't technically, I mean, it's technically sort of a mystery noir series, but the Harry Dresden books, that even though they're fantasy, they're set up like PI noir first mm-hmm. person. And that character is so compellingly constructed 
that you don't mind that you don't get all the information because it's fun to watch him learn it because he's so interesting and funny. And I think generally, if it's going to be a detective book, that that is a really good way to do it. Yeah. But you've got to then design that person so neat that everybody wants to read it just because of that character and not so much because of the mystery. Right. But something like, like original series Law and Order, where it's always a murder mystery, we don't, it's so interchangeable with the people that they literally just swap them out all the time and it doesn't matter. (laughs) And it's more about finding out who got killed, why they got killed, who killed them, and then seeing them go through their trial. Right. And I think that's also a good structure too. Mm -hmm. But then the whole thing of what makes a mystery cozy, like, I think we sort of have talked about this on the pod before, but just like, if if it's not a very gruesome murder or even not a murder at all, like a thief or some other lesser um, or some kind of saboteur or an arsonist or something where maybe yeah. nobody even gets killed. But if they do get killed, it's kind of tidily off the page or off the screen. And there's usually a lot more comedy in those or even a romance and or both. And it's a lot more character development. You'll usually have quirky townsfolk or stuff like that like like how many murders happen in cabot cove maine like way too many (laughs) like that's for for being this quaint fishing village it seems like everybody's probably gonna get killed at some point (laughs) and you know maybe somebody is a detective maybe they're a retired detective maybe they're just an amateur sleuth maybe like on castle Mm -hmm. he's a mystery novelist you know so I think there's a lot of neat things that you can do with it. But yeah. and I feel like we did talk about this once, but I'm going to reiterate the the really good advice that Vicky Thompson gave us in grad school, which was and she's a mystery novelist, but it was that you want to have at least one character that the audience suspects because they're being cagey when they get interrogated, but it's because they've got a different secret. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, I think that extends further, too. I think she was kind of like, everyone has a secret. Yes. But not all the secrets are related to the mystery. Right. They're like side, they could be side things, which is, yeah, which makes people act weird. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because they don't want to, they don't want the police to find out about their money laundering. Uh They have nothing to do about the murder. (laughs) Right. Right. And you can't be like, oh, I couldn't have been killing this person because I was off dealing drugs. Like you can't (laughs) can't be like, well, uh, I was at home sleeping. Yeah. Or, or if they don't want, if they're getting interrogated in front of their spouse, but they're having an affair, they don't want to say that their alibi is their affair, you know, yeah. even though that would exonerate them. So, yeah, I think having your characters have, and see, that works really well if you're doing fully first person with the investigator, mm-hmm. because then you can't get inside the head of the people who are the suspects. But, you know, the, the Lisa Gray novel gets inside the head of suspects, but she still is not giving you all the information. So everybody stayed a suspect for a pretty long time, even though the reader is hearing some of their thoughts, but just not all of their thoughts. Yeah, I'm really curious about how she did that. So it was very clever. Yeah, cool. So I think you can do interesting, different uh, POVs, but you just have to be you just have to be really good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so some of the other advice I would say with, with the book I read that didn't work, some of the reasons it didn't work again, too easy of a solution. 
clear lack of path. It felt like it was three different books in one. Keep it pretty cohesive. And again, don't info dump too much. When in doubt, kind of cut some of that telling because the audience doesn't need to know absolutely everything. Right. So, you know, be be sparing in what you tell. And if you do go with a first person, make them pretty funny and interesting. Or not, not laugh out loud funny, but witty, I guess, is a better way to put that. Yeah. I think first person POV can be really hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because you're in their heads. Mm-hmm. They have to be compelling in some way. They don't have to be likable necessarily. No. no. But you have, yeah, you have to get readers to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And it took it took a while for Roxanne. And even sometimes I'm like, you're being a little jerk right now. <laughs> 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 yeah. So I think you have to make readers want to stay in their heads, mm-hmm. and some of that comes from their personality. And I think, I think too, some of it comes from like Roxanne. I'm like, oh, this girl is a mess, but I know <laughs> she's going to get better. So mm-hmm. like some of it comes from seeing, okay, how is this person going to overcome their flaws to solve this case? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing with like noir and private investigators and stuff. Yeah. You're like, oh, this person is a fall down drunk and they have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of a stereotype in noir, mm-hmm. but like. They have some sort of flaw or something they're working through mm-hmm. that they need to get over in order mm-hmm. to solve the case. Yeah. But don't give them so many flaws. Like pick one or two <laughs> and give them a lot more <laughs> redeeming quality. I, I put down yeah, yeah. a I put down a mystery. This has been so long ago that I don't remember what, what it was, but the main detective character, she was like a total substance abuse person. Like it was really like she was not functioning and they would also focus on that more than the mystery. And I'm like, Uh I don't feel like this is going anywhere. It's not going to end well. It's not realistic that she can even get to work. Like (laughs) let's not do this. And so I just quit reading it. So yeah, make the flaws cause the person to still be functional, let them still be good at their job, you know? Yeah. I would also say that if you've got a mystery series or any kind of genre that functions like a mystery, like if it's a paranormal investigation or something like that, this also is good advice. But like, it sounds like this series is going to be nice and short. And I would say, unless you're going to continually try to really invest your mental energy as an author of staying with that character so closely that you you can't even let go of them. Be wary of writing a character who is so similar to you that when you age out of that person's POV, you're not going to fit. I'm not explaining it well, but like, okay. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying. Okay. 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 Let's look at an example. So <laughs> let's say you write a fantasy paranormal mystery series about a witch who's an investigator and mm-hmm. you start writing them in 2023 and let's say you're mm-hmm. 25 years old and she's 25 okay. years old and she is super yeah. similar to you and you're like in that but you're keeping but it takes you a while to write each book and you want to write a 20 mm-hmm. book series and so by the time you end up with book 20 in world only five years have passed so she's 30 but you are right. now 50 okay right yeah okay she shouldn't sound like a 50 year old by book 20. She should sound like a 30 year old. (laughs) And I've been reading some funny things on various book nerd fan forums about like, yeah, this is recently I've been reading some, I'll, I'll not mention who this is, but there's a very famous 
romance slash mystery author who is in probably her 60s and her protagonist for her current series is 19 and it is often jarring and i have not opted to continue reading it not for only that reason but i just kind of lost interest but yeah i feel like either she needed to try way harder to get back in that headspace or she needed Mm -hmm. to make the character you know 60 and that's fine or she needed to write such a distinctly different sort of character from herself Mm -hmm. that any that she would maybe have an easier time of getting in that head does that make sense right yeah so yeah so if i'm writing i feel like it might have been more effective if that character was male or just like so different in a couple of different identity markers that she would feel more prone to try harder to get the voice also match the age. Whereas if she's like, Oh, this is another woman who's quippy and I'm a woman who's quippy, but like, you're not 19. So try harder or don't do that character yeah, or just make her more like yourself. So I think a, a good solution to make that not happen as much is don't plan a 20 book series <laughs> plan a five book series and you'll probably be a little bit safer with your POV character so yeah 20 books is a lot that's a lot that's a lot (laughs) I think everything that we're sort of talking about here is they can be talked about on spectrums yes and you want to find that sweet spot in the middle yeah like like with the characters but you mentioned that one book that you had read the the mystery was too simple yeah and the book I'm reading now, the mystery is a little bit too complicated. Yeah. It's got like con artists and like house deeds and all this stuff <laughs> that I'm not quite following. So like maybe you just had need to find the sweet spot in the middle. Not too simple, but not too complicated either. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say I read, I read a mystery slash thriller where I telegraphed the whole plot. I was like, oh, clearly, blah blah did this and that, and that's where the person is, and they're long dead or whatever. Like, But I didn't mind because it was very, very well written. Okay, yeah. So you can make it very simple. You can make it so that your reader is following along pretty closely. But if you, you know, fill it with a lot of good humanity and atmosphere and maybe a few little misdirects, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't have to be yeah. rocket science. But yeah, I think there is a sweet spot between a too simple mystery and a too complicated mystery. So Agreed. Yes. yes. And, you know, at the end of the day, write the mystery that you want to read. Yes. Or write it, write the one that you want to write. And like, don't listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, write, write a book that defies all of our advice and have it be amazing and then have us read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the books that we talked about today, obviously you can find them wherever you get your books, To Die For by Lisa Gray. I personally found that on Kindle or on Amazon for the Kindle. And you got The Last Place You Look uh, by Kristen Lepianka. You got that at the library. Mm-hmm. But I was able just now to find it on Amazon audiobooks. So you can clearly find those anywhere you get your books. Yep. And if you have mystery books to recommend to us, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> but next time we'll be talking about some more great pop culture stuff. So be sure to join us soon. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find our website at positivelypopculture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store as well as our email, positivelypopculture at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe. 
and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs> <laughs>